So my X01 review is has uh, <laughs> caused a little bit of a problem, I think. X01. I play. Uh, there's a new game that I got called X01. I mean, I've had a wish list for ages. It came out. It was 15 bucks. I was like, yeah, okay, just go for it. Buy something new. Get into it. Stream it. I streamed it to like almost not nobody though. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I wrote a review of it. I got in really early on the review. Well, I got a lot of thumbs up and stuff, but man, this, it's really attracted a little bit of a troll community, I think. There's a lot of people like just calling me pretentious <laughs> and things like that. The worlds are amazing, but the game itself is like, I don't know, it's overwhelmingly positive. And I'm just like, nah, I think the Kickstarter crowd is coming after me. <laughs> or some of that, I don't know. Just think of me, I'm being victimized, but, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm a pretentious I'll put that at the start of the uh, episode. All right, let's do it. Let's go for it. Hello, and welcome to Filling in the Gaps. I'm Justin. I'm Darren. Today, we are going to discuss a movie called Dead End. I do believe it has names in other countries, as I've noticed on their IMDb page, but I saw it as Dead End, and I think you did as well. Yeah. It's from 2003, and I watched it, I think, on DVD around that time, maybe 2004, something like that. So I saw this a very long time ago. I saw it for the first time last night. It is written and directed by Jean-Baptiste Andrea and Fabrice, I think, Canepa. Mm-hmm. But if that's wrong, it's because my handwriting is terrible. <laughs> they wrote and directed this movie, haven't done much else. Yeah, I checked them out on IMDb. It was quite bare. I only found like four other things they'd done. Baptiste Andrea has done a few other things. The other one, this is pretty much it. Mm. It has a 6.5 rating on IMDb, which is a bit lower than where... I, I think when you hit 7, that's when most people agree that it's probably good. Yep. Rotten Tomatoes, wow. This is one where critics were at 75%. That gives it a nice, healthy red tomato. And uh, fans were at 59%. Not a huge difference, but according to their metric, that is the difference between a good film and a bad film. So the critics say that it's good, and the audience says that it's not. It is one of those movies that seem to have done a lot on the film festival circuit and winning bits of awards there. I will be completely honest and just say, the first time I saw it, didn't like it. The second time I saw it, still didn't like it. Like, I really don't like this film, but I, I thought there was a chance that you might. Um, <laughs> I thought it was a comedy. <laughs> this, is that a comedy? That's interesting. If you look at it as a comedy, it works... Doesn't, I, work, doesn't work better as a comedy. But... <laughs> That's exactly what I, I was debating in my head. I was about to say it works better, but then I was thinking, no, I didn't laugh, so it wasn't very funny. Oh, I laughed out loud at three points in the movie. I can guess at two of them. <laughs> I am very curious what the third one is. There are a lot of problems for me with the movie. I think it fits in the type of movie that we normally want to discuss. Yeah. But I have a feeling with this one, I mean, we don't want to beat it to death, but I have a feeling that we're going to be talking about things that don't work and maybe trying to puzzle out at least for us why it doesn't because this movie should yeah this is so much like other movies we have watched that we have enjoyed some that came out before this one some that came out after so it's not a matter i think of time period there's just something about the way this movie was made and i for the most part wouldn't even really say the cast is bad we have ray wise from twin peaks 
who I really liked. And even in this one, he does a really good job. It's just a really weird movie. Yeah, it's, it's almost like the way that they've gone with it is, all right, we're going to try and copy, well, not copy, but we're going to try and go the way of like the 1980s horror movie where it's like some over-the-top bits and some like black, dark comedy. But at the same time, I think the movie's taking itself seriously. I feel like it's serious, but if you want to come at it from it should be a comedy, there are definitely some things in there that me thinking it's not a comedy don't work at all, but at least if you think it's a comedy, then some of those things start to fit. Yeah, I mean, this is, anyway, we'll, we'll get into it, but yeah, I think it's going to be quite funny to talk about this movie because there's just so many weird bits that just stuck out. The movie is only an hour and 23 minutes, but it feels long. At least it did to me. There was one stretch where I was like, I think I even wrote it down, where I was like, wow, how much longer have we got left to go? And it's like, oh, it's still an hour. Yeah. <laughs> when you've only made it 23 minutes in and there's still an hour to go. We were able to see it on Netflix where we are not sure it's available everywhere on Netflix. It feels a bit like a David Lynch film that's not made by David Lynch, so it doesn't quite work. Mm -hmm. But even as we've discussed before, not all of David Lynch movies work for me. And there's always weird parts in it that just don't work for me. But there's always something about them that the way it's done visually or the just over the top eccentricities of the characters, something will be interesting to me. But this one falls a bit flat. And I think that that's part of why I wanted to recommend it is I wanted to see if it was only me. Mm. This is not a movie most people that I know have seen or want to discuss. Mm -hmm. But also, if it didn't work for either of us, then kind of can we pinpoint why? And there's a few things that I think that we, we can definitely get to. I really wouldn't recommend it. I think if you want to watch it, it's only an hour and 23 minutes. I think that there's a good chance that there are other people who do like it. Yeah. It's just not me. I was thinking just right now as well, would I even recommend this as like, you know, like maybe a cheesy kind of Halloween movie that you'd sit and watch with your friends, but... This doesn't fit the Halloween theme. No, it doesn't even fit the theme, and it's like... It doesn't even fit Christmas, even though it's at Christmas Eve. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, yeah, we've got we've got Tales from the Crypt movies, you know, that, are, that do way better, you know? So, yeah, I'd find it really hard to recommend this to anyone. I even find it hard to... But it's not terrible. It's not a terrible movie, but <laughs> it's just it's just not very good. I find it difficult to even come up with a comparison movie yeah. that would fit. And David Lynch was the closest I could come with. And very fitting since Ray Wise was in Twin Peaks. But there's really nothing else that really fits. It feels in a way like so many other movies, but we can't really recommend it based on that because those movies a lot of times hinge on a twist or a bit of information that would be a huge spoiler to give away. I don't know that this one does. I feel like it tries to, but it doesn't really. I called it in five minutes. Like, it, it wasn't hard. If I, if I can call it, then anyone can. It kind of shoots itself in, it, in its own foot, too, at the end. But we'll get into that when we get to the end in the spoiler section. And it's high time that we get there. So if you really have no desire to see Dead End since <laughs> we built it up so much, <laughs> or if you have already seen it, well, listen on. This is your spoiler warning. There's not a lot of characters in the movie, not a lot of actors. This is very low budget. Mm -hmm. 
not a lot needed to be done here. There's not a lot of setting. There's not a lot of CG. This is the epitome of kind of good, low-budget movie. It doesn't look low-budget, but clearly it had a low budget. Just one stretch of road, four or five characters, done. Probably had to pay a fair amount for the helicopter shot of the forest. Yeah. (laughs) That was probably the biggest thing, or maybe... Ray Wise cost a lot at the at the time, but when you only have eight actors total, <laughs> it doesn't really seem like this is going to be expensive, but it doesn't look cheap. The lighting is done very well, which is tricky to do, I think, with all the night shots that they were doing, especially when you had the shot of the old car, the old hearse, as it would just appear, the headlights would just appear out of nowhere. That looked really good, mm-hmm. and that's Clever lighting is what that is. And that's very tricky to do. I think that they've done that very well. When we start the story, we're in a car on a road trip. We're going to find out later that it's Christmas Eve. We have a father, a mother, a son, and a daughter, and the daughter's boyfriend. Yep. They are pretty much all irritating people. (laughs) Yeah. At first, you could blame it on it's a road trip. Everybody gets irritated on road trips, but it's not that. No, it's not not the road. It's it's you. <laughs> <laughs> In this case, it was just everyone. Everyone has major problems, it seems, which have to come out. Not even all major problems, I guess. Their son, Richard, is the biggest problem. Yeah, he just won't shut up, will he? No, and he's just your standard annoying teen. Mm. I hate everything about you. I'm going to say the opposite of what you say all the time. And on top of that, he was like 24 or 25 at the time, the actor. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah. He's <laughs> just looking at him. I went, how old is he supposed to be? I was confused. Yeah. How old and is he I supposed to be? looked it up. Yeah. He apparently, uh, that actor has gone on to quite a long career on The Bold and the Beautiful, which right, is okay. <laughs> the US soap opera. Yeah. On his IMDb page, it was something like 450 episodes. So he was on for quite a while. So he did go on to a strong career there, I believe. Mm -hmm. Though I I don't know that it's necessarily over. (laughs) In a soap opera, are you ever really dead? Yeah, exactly. True. (laughs) Spoilers for Dallas. (laughs) You have uh, the mother played by Lynn Shea, who you might recognize from There's Something About Mary or the Insidious movies. Is she in something about Mary? She is. She plays Magda, Mary's neighbor. Oh, okay. Right. I, I recognized her, but I couldn't place her. The daughter is played by Alexander Holden, but I didn't really recognize her from anything. No, nor her boyfriend. As they are driving, Frank, the father, he is very upset because they're running late. It's the same thing every year. Where are my blue shoes? Where's my Bonnie Manson CD or something? Yeah. <laughs> it's Marilyn, Dad. Yeah, Dad, come on. <laughs> I don't care who she is. It's a guy, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> it was just too much. I think right from that start of those two characters. It's like, ah, Here we go. This is your standard annoyed father and annoyed teen. They're probably so much alike that they hate each other. And him just... <laughs> Just the whole, the Bonnie Manson or whatever, it's just, (laughs) it just feels so forced. That joke feels so forced. Is this where you were starting to think it was meant to be a comedy? Yeah. All right. 
we're going to cut to, there's cut twos all the time. We're going to cut to kind of everyone is sleeping but the father and he's getting tired. We can see steam on the windows. We know that it's cold outside, but really warm inside. The car swerves because he's falling asleep, nearly hits a truck. They run off a road. The mother is upset. (laughs) She's worried about her chocolate and pumpkin pie, which, according to Richard, smells terrible. But we can't trust anything Richard says because he just wants to think everything is terrible. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure it smells delicious. (laughs) (laughs) She's also annoyed, though, because she realizes they're not on the interstate anymore. Mm -hmm. He's taken a shortcut. He's trying to go a different way. He says because he was getting bored and falling asleep and hoped this would help, but clearly it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. The old uh, taking a shortcut when, when you're really trying to get somewhere important problem. Frank is also annoyed because this car is not the car he wanted to be driving. He wanted to be driving the Mercedes, but apparently his daughter Marion wrecked that. He said, oh, well, I'm getting used to this car now. Since you put the Mercedes in the junkyard, something along (laughs) those lines. We're just setting up. This is a very dysfunctional family. And that's sort of the premise of the movie. Mm -hmm. If you take away the whole pseudo twist. We're going to get heavy rock or metal music often from Richard's headphones. They have chosen to give us Richard's music instead of more of its own soundtrack. They do at times. And it feels really obvious. I don't know how else to describe it, but the music, whether it's incidental through the headphones, through, well, we don't actually get any music through the car radio, just a baby crying. Yeah. But even the soundtrack music, it comes in very loud and it just feels like it's kind of shoved in there. It doesn't blend in with the movie. Did you notice that or is that just me? No, I I often like take notes from the music and yeah, the music. There's some metal, there's almost like some industrial stuff in there as well. I was like, what is the movie trying to do with the music part of it? The, even the, like you said, like the soundtrack part of it was very omen-like. Wailing and weird sounds and yeah, it was all over the place. Yeah, it, it, as soon as I was watching this part, I was like, okay, so I had three points. My, well, two points at this point is like, okay, they're already dead. Or two, they're going to hit someone. It's going to be one of those movies where they're going to hit someone that just appears on the road but they didn't hit anyone. Well, yeah, we'll yeah. have to get to that in the end. But I could totally understand that. I certainly felt like the first time I watched it that the movie just seemed to be going nowhere. But I guess that was kind of the point. Mm-hmm. Marion, the daughter, is feeling queasy. Brad tries to calm like everybody down with his breathing technique that he learned from baseball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so dumb as well. Like, in through your nose and out through your mouth. Like, yeah, I know how to breathe. <laughs> what are you talking about? Everyone is just on each other's nerves. So they start singing Christmas carols, which... Cringy. Is, <laughs> yes. We are going to see a flash of a woman in white, which is, I believe, the only way we are referred to her. Yeah, the lady in white. Yeah. I think even in the credits and on IMDb, that's the way she's referred to. We see her a bit in the forest or in the woods. The dad stops the car, she approaches, and he admits to being a bit lost, but she doesn't speak. She looks in bad shape. The dad says he wants to help, but of course nobody has a phone signal. Welcome to 2003 and beyond, where we have to always have... (laughs) Switch your cell phones off. (laughs) Or we have to have that obligatory conversation of, I don't have a signal, do you? Yeah. (laughs) 
There was a bit of a cabin in the past, like they had just driven past it. Mm. So Frank thinks maybe they should go there, see if they have a phone. Yeah. Gets the woman, and we see now a baby mm. in the car. Marion, since she was feeling queasy anyway, says she could use some air, decides to go walk down to the cabin instead. I'll meet you there. As she's walking, she takes out a cigarette, looks like she's about to smoke, and then puts it away. We don't know why yet, but I thought maybe she just didn't want to get caught. Yeah. Uh, again, as soon as she said, I don't feel well, she goes for a cigarette and doesn't have it. I was like, oh, she's pregnant. I Even this time, I didn't, but I just didn't really think about this one, mm-hmm. I think. I wasn't trying to figure out what her problem was. Yeah. I also didn't really care, which I think is a major part of the movie. Well, I would say it's a major problem in the movie for me is that I don't really like these characters, so I don't really care what happens to them Mm -hmm. for the most part. In the cabin, it's got hatchets on the wall and traps. Skulls. Animal skulls. It's completely empty otherwise, yeah. There's a phone, but it doesn't work. Of course. I I love that line where he's like, is the phone dead? He's like, no, I just forgot the number to 911. So Again. this is where you're thinking Again, it's a comedy. comedy. Yeah. All right. Yeah, this is the part. This is the other part where I was like, what the hell am I watching, right? Because basically they take her to the cabin to look, well, to see what's there. Yeah. Yeah. Richard goes off. The parents go into the cabin to check for the phone. Yes. Richard goes off. He's got a centerfold stuffed down his trousers. Yes. Which has presumably been there for the whole ride. And then he pins it to a tree. And but he doesn't even pin it, he takes or chewing gum. Oh right? yeah, he chewing gum, sticks it to a tree, and then goes to pleasure himself in the middle of a forest. Yes. Well, what's going on? I was like, this is definitely a comedy now. Or they're trying to do like the whole sex scene violence from like the old Halloween movies, or like Friday the 13th, the, the couples are having sex, and he just bursts in and machetes them, you know? I was like, is this what we're going for? But And then it's like, no, but it's 2003, it's more, it, it feels like it wants to be its own thing, but... What's going on? I was really confused by this part, man. Really confused. You just didn't think anything of it? You're just like, yeah, that's that's completely normal. Let me, again, remind you, I don't like this movie. <laughs> I think that it didn't feel normal, but nothing about this movie feels normal. Even to this point, nothing has really felt quite normal. And it just felt forced. Mm-hmm. Everything in this movie feels a bit forced. And it's like, well... We want to make Richard seem like a terrible person. How can we do that even more? Mm. And so here we go. (laughs) Yeah, okay, yeah. I don't think that there's anything more to it. They just thought, okay, Marion's walking. Richard needs to have his talk alone with the woman in white. What can we have him do? And rather than just have him go maybe have to pee in the woods after a long car ride, which would make sense, let's do something interesting with it. But for me, it's not interesting. It just seems stupid. Mm. In the car, though, let's talk about... Brad. Brad and... Oh, yeah, so it wasn't Richard in the car. It was Brad in the car. Brad, who tries to talk to the woman. Oh, you've got a wedding ring. Are you married? What's your baby's name? And until this point, she hadn't spoken to anyone, but she does decide Mm. to now speak to Brad. She says her baby feels cold and hands the baby over... And he says something like, oh, it's very quiet. How can it breathe through all those layers covering his face? That's right. Oh, that's okay. It's dead. Yeah. (laughs) And then he looks. And the makeup effects in this are not 
the best, which I think is why... Well, they got around that later on by not showing the body. And I, I thought they did that quite well. They did, which is why I think they did it. Yeah. I think... Oh, definitely. When I was watching that, they're, they're like, they're saving some bucks here on the, the makeup yeah. department, but they handled it well. Yeah. It's saving money, but I also suspect that maybe what they had wasn't what they were hoping for. Again, that part was pure comedy, whereas like the earring is on the end of the antenna of the phone. It's like, yeah, it's like, mixed signals here, man. Mixed signals. Okay, but before we get yeah, to that... Yeah, before we get to the ear... We have to have him disappear. Yeah. So he screams, that brings everybody back to the car. Yep. And I believe it's Marion, the girlfriend who sees the headlights, sees the car, sees Brad in the back. screaming from the back, trying to get out. And so that's when they all want to run off and chase after the car, mm-hmm. run over something, realize it was Brad. He's apparently quite a mess. And then, like you said, the really clever way to get around either lesser makeup or no money for decent makeup mm. ear on the phone. <laughs> I love how the dad is trying to get the phone with by a stick, poking it with a stick. Yeah. <laughs> this is a time where. We needed to see what was going on because it makes no sense that he'd be trying to get it with a stick. Yeah. I mean, I guess he was trying to hook the ring, the earring, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, Richard is the brave one who reaches in and yeah. gets it. Frank hands his wife the phone <laughs> uh, and then tells her to get a signal, call the cops. And then she does get a signal, but she just hears a woman crying for help on the phone back to her. And so we go, ooh, creepy. Which we are... Pretty sure is the woman in white Guess so. before she so. died. Yeah. Marion, after this point, she basically faints from seeing Brad's body. And then she's catatonic for a while. Yeah. And if you want to be catatonic, you got to get in line. <laughs> and they're like, it's, you have your, ch- your, your chance to go crazy throughout the movie. Take a ticket. I don't know why. I've just written on here that they keep driving and then they find the baby pram from Ghostbusters 2. I can't remember what happens in between. I know there's a lot lot of speaking and stuff in between, but I didn't write down any... I didn't take any notes for the in-between parts, to be honest. Laura will constantly argue that she wants to go back to the interstate, but the father wants to keep pressing on. He says... And the thing is, I, I do understand his logic. He does try to rationalize out everything. Oh, this cabin, it's probably just a ranger cabin where they have the stuff. And a ranger cabin would make sense why they would have things like traps and hatchets. Or, oh, maybe this is a military road and that's why we haven't seen anyone. His rationalizations, they, they stretch a bit thin towards the end. But for the most part, there's a logic to them that I do kind of understand and do kind of sympathize with. Mm Mm-hmm. And in this case, he says, look, as long as we've been driving, we've got to be close to where your mother lives. And she lives right next to a police station. So let's just Mm. get there first. Makes sense. Yeah. We will see a sign for Marcotte. Frank has Richard look it up, but it's not on the map. I looked it up. I looked it up as an, I thought it was an anagram for something. So I went into like an anagram solver to see if it came up with anything and it didn't. But by the end of the movie, I was like, oh, okay, that's why. (laughs) (laughs) Richard starts noticing things, which is great. He's like, we haven't seen any cars. And all the watches have stopped at 7.30. Like the clock in the car and the mom's watch. But then he goes off the rails going, it's aliens. (laughs) Yeah, just hear me out, guys. (laughs) Yeah. Aliens. (laughs) Marion finally comes back to by singing Jingle Bells, but 
awfully. <laughs> I mean, if it was cringeworthy before, it is doubly yeah. so now. Even the dad tells her to shut up. And there's a weird bit where she gets stuck on a phrase a day or two ago. These are verses I've never heard of. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm no Jingle Bells expert, but yeah, I don't remember that lyric. But then again, I probably only know the main verse. We're going to cut to Laura waking up. They do that a lot. Time has passed because somebody is waking up. Yeah. Frank says she only slept about 10 minutes and he's not seen anything in that time. This is where your baby carriage shows up. Right. They stop. Richard checks it out and fakes being eaten by it. It's empty. What are you expecting? It's a baby carriage. And I'm thinking, what are you expecting? Richard's an idiot, of course. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't fooled for a second. Were you? No, 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 no. Laura and Frank argue again, and he unwraps the uncle's gift, which is some alcohol, and takes a big swig and says, I need this more than he does. That's right. Yeah, they start unboxing the presents. Richard, at this point, will try to talk to Marion because she's only saying Jingle Bells so far, and he's trying to get her to be more conscious. <laughs> this is where he tells her he put her hamster in the microwave or something like that. Yes. What a Did you think that idea. really happened, or was that just him trying to wake her up? Yeah, this is I'm, Richard. I think he did I it. I think he probably did it as well, yeah. What a- also, tried to blame it on aliens, <laughs> which I doubt she believed. The big yeah. thing with Marion seems to be that she's a psychology or psychiatry student. Mm. They keep making reference to this. Yeah. We need you because you're... You're the shrink. Yeah. But she's not yet, one. Yeah. And two doesn't mean that she can fix all their problems. Yeah. I could understand great motivation, given this family, why she would want this occupation so that she could help people <laughs> like her family. Yeah. But she, being a family member, is probably not the best person to objectively help the family. Mm. Frank tries to calm Laura down by saying some roads go on too long. Like in Lakewood this time, I got lost. And I was driving for hours, and she says, oh, isn't that where Sally Schmidt got a cottage? Like, okay, well, we know where this is going, (laughs) but it won't go there for a while. Yeah. He goes, yeah, yeah. Then he turns on the radio, but the radio is just a baby crying. Mm -hmm. Frank starts telling Laura what he really thinks of her family. See, this is where it all starts coming out. Yeah. Then they have a tire blowout. This is where Marion blurts out that she's pregnant. And then Richard's like, and I smoke pot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so may as well just air my dirty laundry too. Yeah. And I love this difference of Laura just being so upset. Our son is doing drugs. And he, yeah, Frank's just like, come on, it's just a joint. <laughs> yeah. Frank probably also does pot. That yeah. would be my guess. Yeah. <laughs> but since he's already said it, Richard decides to go off to the woods and smoke a joint. Smoke, smoke some pot, yeah. The woman in white will appear, she begins kissing Richard, and then bites his bottom lip off. Yeah, and he doesn't seem to notice at all. (laughs) He's just like, I love you. Yeah, which he says after she drops her dress. And then the next time we're going to see him, he's in the back of the hearse. Yeah. They try to chase it down. Laura tries to chase it on foot like she could ever catch a car Mm. on foot. But the other two hop in a car, they pick her up. And there's a point, I think, where Frank can see the lady in white again momentarily. Mm -hmm. But they drive off. Like I said, they pick up Laura again. And now she's crazy. Yeah, because once they, I believe they drive over Richard as well. Yeah. 
And she said, oh, it's Richard. He goes, no, no, it couldn't be. But then obviously it goes out and it yeah. is. And she just goes absolutely bonkers. bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> this is where she starts talking about, oh, Richard, you need to get better so we can go to New Orleans. Just like that time your father took me to New Orleans. And Frank's like, I never took you to New Orleans. Yeah. And she said, yeah, well, you're not his father. And it just feels so out of place and yeah. forced and awkward. And this ties into, I think, where you would think this is a comedy. Yeah. And everything she does from this point on feels more like it's trying to be dark comedy, mm -hmm. but doesn't work. Yep. Yep. At least I wasn't laughing. No, I wasn't. One part about her made, made me laugh. So she's had an affair yeah, with a with guy. Alan Rickson. Uh, yeah, Alan Rickson, that's right. We hear his name a ton. more than we hear most of our characters' names. Yeah. But yeah, so she's like, yeah, you, you, you're not his father, blah, 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 blah. So they pick him up and they put him in the back of the car. Yeah. Which, here's a good line. Here's something I like mm -hmm. that Frank says, Marion, help me get Richard. He's my son. We have to take him with us. That, even though I think at this point he suspects what she said is true yeah. and that he's not actually the father, he still loves his son despite all that. And despite the fact that Richard was... Pretty close to being unlovable. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a father's love. Yeah, definitely. I wouldn't I wouldn't want my kid talking to me like that. Laura's gonna start eating her pie. I think she just starts shoving she's it. Shoveling it in there with <laughs> fistfuls of pie. She asks about Michael. His real name. That's the name that Alan Rigson wanted to give him. She's just totally out of reality. Yeah, she's gone. I think Frank says, what a wonderful Christmas. There's some, <laughs> there's some line like that there. Laura asks for a pen so she can draw a picture. And then she draws Brad, but eviscerated. Remember, <laughs> yeah. his head was here and his arm was here. And Marion handles that pretty well. That didn't put her back into shock. She's more concerned about her mother at this point than yeah. anything. Frank will retell this ghost story from his childhood about this girl that a couple pick up or something, Barbara Rose. She sits in the back of the car and she disappears. All that was left was a textbook with her name on it. Mm -hmm. And then they found out that family died five years ago. And they drove off a cliff or something like that, yeah. Do you think this is meant to be red herring? Like, this is what we're going through? Maybe, or just, or maybe it's just a way to just explain that there's a lot of ghosts on roads. <laughs> maybe. I don't know, but yeah, I think it's supposed to be, yeah, this, this is like almost like an established reality now where People can pick up hitchhiking ghosts. Laura finds some chips and Marion says, don't eat too quickly or get sick. Hard cut. She's getting sick. Yeah. Yeah. Is this when they unwrap the shotgun? Uh, yeah, it was around this point. I think they'd actually unwrapped the shotgun before this. Uh, okay. Which was a very conscious effort on Marion's part. We're in danger. We need some help. Here's a shotgun, which I do feel they established pretty well because when Frank was going off about Laura's family... And your gun nut brother, Mickey, who who loves his gun and ammo magazines, mm. that fits the fact why they would have a shotgun. This is what Uncle Michael asked for yeah. for Christmas. Here it is, a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a stretch, but they've set it up and it fits. Yeah. So I'm fine with that. But yes, this would be the point where Marion and Frank are off talking about their mother and what should they do when Laura comes out with the shotgun playing with it like it's a toy. Yeah. Oh, this isn't real. Uh, it's a very real. Please stop messing around with it. They try to tuck her down, but she ends up shooting Frank in the leg. 
Mm-hmm. So Marion has to remove the pellets and she bandages him up. Frank is drinking and driving. Laura is sleeping in the back. And Frank rationalizes that, as I said before, this is a military road and Marcotte is a base. And that's why it's not on the map. Mm-hmm. Cut to Marion waking up. Frank is not in the car. She gets worried. She goes outside. But then he's got out a map. And he's got this kind of interesting theory that we've been going straight the same way. There's that point where your mother asked about a star earlier. It's still straight ahead. We've been going the same way. Yeah. We should be 40 to 50 miles away from the coast. Mm-hmm. And Marcotte is maybe a naval base at the coast. We should maybe just keep going and we'll get there. Yeah. That is fine for logic, but that means that there's really no way out. If you have half a tank of gas, which I think they refer to here, go back. There's nothing else there. If you're heading towards a military base, they might be able to help you out. I'm sure they'll refill your car for you. Yeah. Possibly. But you're just going an hour out of your way to maybe get more fuel to go all the way Mm. back again. That's two hours out of your way. Whereas if you still have half a tank and that's gotten you didn't fill up just before you went to the back road here. Right. You can get much further <laughs> and better and you can get to an area where you have a signal. Why waste your time going still? Yeah. It's like he's obsessed with I have to keep going. I've started this and now I have mm-hmm. to keep going. Because there's nothing else ahead. They it's not like they are still looking for Richard or Brad. They've found them. Yeah. So rationalization for the logic I get, but not turning around feels so incredibly stupid at this point, if that's what you're thinking. Yep. Laura is awake and a bit more conscious now. She says that they have to remain together in grief and that she knows all about Sally Schmidt. And she says, in a way, it's okay. I know I don't satisfy you. And just cringe again. Man. Just, I, didn't, I did not want to hear that at all. <laughs> Laura says she can see people in the woods. She recognizes her friend Janine, who Frank says she died 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Laura will exit the car as it's moving. Yeah, she's like, I'm just going to get out and say hello to her. Boom. (laughs) Frank finds Laura's things spread out all over the road, but not Laura. Headlights appear. Mm -hmm. Frank will shoot at the black car. It stops, then reverses, and Laura walks up, but the back of her skull is just gone. Yeah. And she starts touching it and having memories and it's a bit over the top. This part... She's basically hitting the serotonin part of the brain, everything that made her feel good. Yeah, she's she's like, she fingers her brain to orgasm. (laughs) I don't know how you're going to put that in the episode, but yeah, it's like that part was, again, comedy. Like, what is going on? She's like playing with her brain and having an orgasm and then she just drops dead. Oh, well, not drops dead, she's still alive on the ground, but Saying for a like, while. Oh, 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 what's what was his name again? Alan Rigson. Oh, Alan Rigson. I was again this this part I laughed out loud at this point. Like, what is going on? And then the dad is just like, all right, well, I'm gonna kill myself. And his daughter's like, oh, everybody, let's just calm down. If you're gone, then I've got nobody on this road, Dad. Jeez, really? You're gonna just blow your brains off in front of me? Frank says she will get us anyway. Yeah. He thinks it's the woman in white. Mary convinces him to keep going, drops the gun, and it <laughs> Fires and hits Laura. So I guess if she <laughs> so if she wasn't dead, she's that. definitely dead now. Yeah, I think she was actually alive because she does twitch when it hits. So I don't know if that was just like the gun. But yeah, I love how he just like 
throws the gun and it hits the ground and misfires and then pings the mum again. That was hilarious. For the first time, somebody else is driving the car. Marion, oh no, I don't think she is at this point. She throws out the alcohol. Yes. Yeah, she is actually driving because he points out the odometer and the fact that by now they should have already made it. Yeah. I know, but we're going to keep going. They decide to try to walk through the woods. They walk through, apparently go all the way around the planet and end up back on the other side of the road. Mm -hmm. We've seen this before. There was a barbed wire fence in between, but why is that there? We don't know. It seemed like just tension because it was like one of those shots where people are watching in the woods. There was like the shaky cam from behind them. I was like, oh, they're going to get it now. They're going to get it now, but nothing happens. Yeah, it even looks like POV. Like you said, somebody is stalking them. Maybe that's meant to be the woman in white, but... I think so, maybe. I think it's just a bad choice. I don't think it was meant to be anything like that. Mm. I could be wrong. Feel free to put whatever theory you want to this movie, and I'll just let you have it. (laughs) This is not the hill I want to die on. (laughs) I think it was just a bad choice. I think they wanted that shot. They couldn't get a steady cam back there because Mm. of all the trees. And so it looks like a POV horror shot, but it's probably not meant to be. Mm. That's my suspicion. And then we get another, we get, this, this is the point again where we get another really kind of, not slapstick, but just really comedy moment where it's just all in the edit. They get back to the car, the, the lights are on, they go in, the mums, they, they're all sheets over the thing and blah, 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 blah. And they turn around to each other like, I'm not getting in that car again. Bang, they cut. It's like them driving. It's just hilarious. What's going on? Yeah. There's also that line, I think, where they've just had so many deaths. And I think he's like, all right. Let's get your mom in the car or something. Yeah, yeah. We have, we passed over it, but there was a time where Frank is smoking and he just tells her all about Alan Rickson. And Mm. that was my friend. And he said he was in love with a married woman. It's kind of an interesting story. But yeah, I, I would say there was a song that came out that was very similar to this. But I think this actually came first. Okay. What was the song? It's in Spanish. It's Ella y yo. So she and I. Oh, okay. Basically, that conversation of a person saying to his friend, I really like this woman, but she has somebody else. And the friend saying, ah, go for it. Love mm. is more important, but not realizing the, the backstory. And that's right. basically what we have here, which that's fine. I think that that works. It's just, it's a cool concept wasted in this movie. Yeah. I felt like this story was like, well, that came out of nowhere. And that was quite interesting but it wasn't part of a solution for a problem it wasn't it was just like a story it felt like he's just there to fill time and pages frank starts to make a list of things he wants to do when a tiny scrap of paper his bucket list is like this big (laughs) i want to get an atari atari is pretty cool yeah and marion says maybe you want to get a playstation (laughs) it's 2003 but the dad just like with the marilyn manson thing what's a playstation as though he's not part of the world yeah. You ever see an advert on TV, Dad? Like his son probably hasn't asked for one or well, has already one. has one, yeah. And she goes, oh, that's okay. Atari's probably cooler anyway. And then Frank writes something down and she says, oh, what did you write? He's like, that's none of your business. Which is ridiculous, but we get to that at the end. But he should not feel that way about what he wrote. Yeah. It seems like he wrote something incredibly embarrassing. Right. And that's not what this is. They approach the same cabin as right towards the beginning of the movie. They enter, the light bulb blows out. Mm -hmm. He's there with matches, trying to look around the room. 
which I don't know why. It's the same room that he was in before, and he knows that it is. Yeah. I think it's just so you can have that one shot of the woman in white blowing out the match. Yeah. Marion returns with a flashlight. Frank basically, again, says they're doomed. He says there's a fog, but there isn't a fog. Frank slaps her for throwing out the booze. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Like, a lot of slaps and really powerful slaps. Yeah, big ones. And then he punches her in the face as well. Well, she kicks him first. Then he punches her. Yeah. Then sees the lady in white. And I think he threatens her with a gun. Goes into the wood. We hear a knife sound. But we can't see him. We So it's just done. We don't yeah. know what happened. Marion drives off. But runs out of fuel after about 30 seconds. So she walks. She looks up at a tree. Blood is dripping from the tree. I'm assuming it's Frank's body. Yeah. But of course, we don't get to see it. No. She's then going to come to a point where she finds full body bags, opens one, sees it's her father. A car approaches. The lady in white appears. The It's the black car that appears, right? Yeah, the horse appears, yeah. The lady in white says, he's not here for you. Like, don't worry, he's not here for you. Yeah. She gets into the car, leaves Marion behind. We hear a horn honk, and it's the family... Our family, from the beginning of the movie, when they look like they were going to hit something, they do hit something. They apparently hit Marion. Yeah. Well, I thought they, they, uh, yeah, I thought they, yeah, they hit Marion and then they hit the truck. Yeah. Because the car is wrecked. This car is so smashed in. Yeah. Let's get to that theory in a second. Let's just finish up the movie. We see a doctor who says that Frank fell asleep at the wheel and killed a woman and her baby. So we're pretty sure that that's the woman in white. The doctor is called Helen Marcot, so all the signs that said Marcot. Her car... Yeah, not not an anagram. <laughs> yeah. Her car, meaning the doctor, her car doesn't start. There's a creepy dark man who is asking for more information. I guess he found them by the road. Yeah, he, uh, say he, he says, I'm the one that called it in. I'm yeah. the one that reported it. And so Marion is in a coma, which I... Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. I will say, though, I recognize him... This is uh, Steve Valentine from Crossing Jordan, which was a series I used to watch. Okay. A crime show. I quite enjoyed for a while. But I'm pretty sure in the credits that they call him Men in Black. Like there's a typo. <laughs> but in IMDb, it's been fixed and it just says Man in mm-hmm. Black. Doesn't even get a name. But yeah, he takes her. And then movie's done. And I'm not sure the first time that I actually continued watching to see the end credits scene... Because I don't remember this at all from the first time. But because I was watching on Netflix, it didn't try to recommend the next thing yet. It didn't go into a tiny window. So I knew there must be something else here then. So I'll keep watching. We see the two men cleaning up the debris in the road. Yeah. Where they find the note. Yes. And what he said was, buy an Atari and be the coolest grandfather ever. Mm -hmm. Which is, again... Not something I would, oh, it's a secret. I'm angry at you. How dare you ask about my secret? Yeah. It would be just a sweet moment of, no, it's just, this one's just for me. That I could see, but being so incredibly angry about it, that makes no sense <laughs> at all. What is going on here? Or just tell her. It's like, have you not noticed everyone's dying on this road? Like, just tell your daughter that you love her and that you, you're happy for her having your grandson or granddaughter. If she's going to have it, that's the weird thing, too, that we kind of skipped over, is that while Marion was walking to the cabin the first time and not smoking, and I think this is probably the reason why I didn't suspect 
pregnancy as much because she was practicing breaking up with Brad. Mm -hmm. She wanted to end it. Meanwhile, Brad, talking to the lady in white in the car, was getting ready to propose that night. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So, (laughs) that's a bit of an issue as well. That would have been awkward. Yeah. (laughs) In so many ways. So, we come now to the end. The theory. Is there much of a theory? Primarily, I thought most of this was happening then in Marion's mind as she's in a coma. Yeah, that is like, yeah, fever, coma, dream. That's what I've got down here. But the one thing I don't understand is why all the torture and punishment? Like, I mean, I think it is real because the Grim Reaper appears, obviously, and dates hot nurses and doctors. So he's in real life. He does come for them and take their souls. But why all the lady in white torture? It's like, okay, I get it. You ran her over and killed her and her kid. She, she basically, what I felt was she's allowed to get her revenge on the family that killed her and the Reaper will take her last. Why and the whole family, though? Exactly. Why the whole family? Why not just Frank? He's the one that did it. He's the one that fell asleep. It's not anyone else's fault. Why? But I do understand why not her because they do say she got thrown out of the car. So she was probably not even in the car when it hit the... The woman, right? So she's not part of the revenge fantasy plot kind of thing, you know? So it's like, not revenge fantasy, like the revenge plot part of the movie. So that's all squared away. That's nice. But yeah, why the kid? Why'd you tear his bottom lip off, you know? And why would we see that from Marion's perspective? She wouldn't see that. Yeah. So if she is the perspective, I could understand seeing the brother being taken away in the Mm. car. But why would we get that? Why would we get him going off with his centerfold in the woods. Yeah. Why are we getting all of that stuff? It doesn't really fit if that's what we're supposed to be thinking. Yeah. Is that what she thinks of her family? Is that how she sees her Mm. family? Is that perhaps not how they really are? Or maybe, maybe it could be that they were all kind of responsible in a way because they were all, she was the only one that didn't say anything. She was the only one that was non-confrontational the whole journey. So it's like, Laura was being annoying to Frank while he's trying to drive. So she's distracting him. Richard's just being Richard. He's annoying everybody and and making Frank lose concentration. I don't think Brad deserved to get it. (laughs) (laughs) And Brad gets it first. Brad gets it first. So yeah, I mean, I think this happened. This is really what happened in like whatever weird world. Like the Grim Fandango world, like after you're dead, this is like how it plays out, right? But yeah, it doesn't make sense that, yeah, it's so much torture. (laughs) Like... Is it even after that point, though, because we have the end credit scene where they find the actual paper that he wrote, which he wouldn't have written before. Right. So now this becomes not just reality in a different world, but also reality in our world, as Mm -hmm. though it happened, but also didn't happen. Yeah. But I mean, you can see death quite clearly at the end. He's driving that same hearse. He's like, oh, I'm a collector. You know, like, get in, baby. (laughs) Like, what? Death. Death's rolling. In the real world. I think that they've muddied it too much with all that stuff at the end. I think that they had the idea for the road and everything that they wanted to be doing on it. They wanted to have the kind of torture and maybe revenge and they had an idea for it. But then they weren't really sure how to clinch it. And so they added all these extra things to say more a question than a statement. What do you think happened? Mm. And that feels very cheap to me. Not cheap in a low-budget way, but cheap in a you-wrote-it-you-made-it-make-a-decision mm-hmm. kind of way. This is a movie where ambiguity doesn't work for me. You didn't give me anything else to hold on to. 
None of the bits that made you laugh really made me laugh. It wasn't bad enough to be enjoyably bad. It was just boring bad. It wasn't good enough to be good. There just wasn't much there. I'm really surprised that even the Rotten Tomato Critics section would be 75% positive. Yeah, that's confusing, man. That is, that is, that is weird. I think one thing is it doesn't feel like other movies, and I do think that any time that there's something that feels a bit original, critics, which have to see all the movies mm. and probably get very bored with the same things, it will stand out a bit more. And remember, though, that 75% positive doesn't necessarily mean that everybody gave it, you know, a C rating as 75%. It just means it was positive, and I'm not exactly sure on Rotten Tomatoes where the positive to negative is. And with any of these sort of aggregate sites i'm not exactly sure what the criteria is what makes it 75 versus 65 versus 100 mm -hmm. it just seems like people are choosing it however it doesn't feel like other things maybe they thought oh this is interesting it won awards at film festivals it looks like maybe that's because it was the best at the time and some of the reviews could be from that time right yeah it just really doesn't work for me i don't like the characters the story is a bit too ambiguous the fact that, oh, something weird is happening and this isn't a real road or it's not a normal road, you pick up on within, uh, you said five, I'd say probably ten minutes. And that's kind of it. It's missing being either really good or so bad that I can laugh at it. Mm. It just falls a bit flat. And I'm not sure that there's really anything that they could have done differently to save this one. Well, at least I, I got a laugh out of it at least, but it wasn't... It wasn't the kind of laugh where it's like, like oh, 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 that was so funny. But it was it was more me as a confused, like, what the hell's going on? What are they doing? Like, You were just, laughing at the movie, not with the movie. Yeah, yeah. It just, just some of those bits, man. I'll, I'll, I don't think I'll ever forget that part with the brain. <laughs> and I want to forget that part. That's probably the part I want to forget the most. That's, that's been burned into my retina. Yeah, what a weird film, man. But this was recommended to us to watch for this podcast. And I'm glad we've got it out of the way. <laughs> I uh, certainly understand why. As I said at the beginning, it fits. It, it fits what we talk about. Yeah. It's just not one that apparently either one of us found enjoyable. Gaps filled the more gaps created. You know what I was thinking the whole way I was watching it? Hmm. Grim Fandango. <laughs> just play, play Grim Fandango instead. Like, just like the, the whole collecting bodies. No, Just Manny, Manny driving the car. <laughs> yeah, we could put that later, maybe. <laughs> <laughs>